FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 421 of the podcast of Ghost Nick. Snicked. I'm your host, Jason Venable, and it's time for what you've been waiting for, baby. <laughs> I hope you're at least somewhat excited or at least casually interested. Um, but it's our 2020 Wolvie Award Show, where we will recognize the best of the best who, who worked on Wolverine stuff in 2020. I know some of the in, I guess not input, input to me, but output of, from the industry was a little lower because there were some several months in the middle of the pandemic during like the first round of shelter in place stuff where, where books were pretty significantly delayed and new comics weren't really coming out. But um, I still think there was a lot of pretty high quality material, uh, you know, particularly in the Dawn of X line and then specifically, you know, for this podcast around, around the Wolverine stuff. Uh, there was quite a bit to enjoy and like, and even though it was maybe a l- little bit lower volume than we're used to, it was uh, still some some pretty great comics. So we're going to go through the uh, the categories. Here we are on the red carpet uh, of Krakoa, the Krakoan Ball, uh, where we are hosting our award show, um, and we'll, we'll see who all the winners are going to be. So um, the first category is going to be the 2020 Wolvie Award for Best Wolverine Writer. And, you know, like I said uh, during the announcement of the nominations, this one's kind of a shoe-in. Um, and it's not like a default, oh, well, I guess I have to give it to him. I'm, you know, the Wolverine solo book in particular has been very, very good. And, you know, the other stuff, X-Force has been maybe a little up and down, but... You know, we're going to talk about a couple of issues here in this episode at the end. Um, and I, I don't know, I think I'm, I think I'm maybe coming around on that book a little bit. But um, anyway, regardless, the Wolverine stuff speaks for itself. Um, so the Wolvie Award winner for Best Wolverine Writer for 2020 is definitely Benjamin Percy. And I'm happy to, to recognize his immense talent. Um, you know, going back, you know, I kind of, I know he did some stuff at DC, right? I think he did, like, Nightwing and some stuff I was not reading at the time. Uh, really first got to know Mr. Percy through the uh, the serialized Wolverine podcast. And I really thought, you know, he, in both seasons of that, did a pretty great job of nailing Wolverine as a character. And I think that has continued into, you know, the Wolverine solo series. And... And honestly, it's not really the characterization of X-Force that I've struggled with. It's some of the, like, the actual, like, story beats. And I feel like it's getting stronger. Part of that will be uh, what we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but yeah, I think I think Benjamin Percy has had a really solid year. And I'm, you know, very happy to, to recognize him with the, uh, the podcast award. So, congratulations, Benjamin Percy. Um... Alright, next up we have the 2020 Wolvie Award for Best Wolverine Artist. Our nominees were Adam Kubert from Wolverine, uh, Victor Bogdanovich from Wolverine. <laughs> They've been kind of uh, going back and forth on that book. And then, uh, kind of maybe the surprise for me, Joshua Kassara on X-Force. Um, you know, if you've been listening to the show regularly, 
I've taken a bit of a journey with Kassara. Um, I never thought he was a bad artist. I just, in, initially coming out of the gate on X-Force, I wasn't sure if, if it was really my taste. Um, you know, some of the horror-type art style he was doing. Some of it was really, I think, the color work. Um, you know, but I really got a feel for him uh, on starting with the uh, the first issue of Wolverine, Black, White, and Blood, and then his Ten of Swords work on both Wolverine and X-Force, which was a little bit cleaner and definitely different colors, really highlighted like what he can actually do with a pencil. And it really kind of turned me around on him significantly. Um, and not only that, going back and looking at some of the stuff that I wasn't as sure about, like it gave me a new lens, right? And it kind of helped me separate what I liked and what I didn't and kind of where that belonged. And um, actually, I think the pencils, even on some of the issues where I was not as sure about the art, like the, the pencils, I think, are really strong. Um, so I've, I've kind of uh, changed my tune on him a little bit. So if you've noticed, I've talked more about him. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and drum roll. Uh, uh, but the winner for the uh, 2020 Wolverine Award for Best Wolverine Artist is going to be Josh Kassara uh, from X-Force and Wolverine. Um, I don't know. It just It's really, really come around on his style, on his pencil work. Um, you know, and even, I, I don't know, maybe the colors have become a little bit more of a marriage in these last couple of issues that we're going to talk about today. Um, it's starting to, to really look like something pretty cool. Um, so anyway, and that's not to take away from Kubert or Bogdanovich. They've both been doing great work on the Wolverine solo series. I mean, of course, Kubert is a Wolverine legend um, and has won a Wolverine award before. And, you know, Bogdanovich as a newcomer, I really enjoyed his stuff at DC. Um, maybe even a little more than what I've liked on Wolverine. I was very excited for him to come on the book. Um, I know he has uh, taken, well, well, I don't want to really drag through all the personality issues. Um, some unfortunate choices maybe he's made, but I um, still think he's a very talented penciler and uh, have enjoyed his work on the book. But Kassara, to me, is where... I really started getting blown away. Um, so as I mentioned during the nominations, almost everyone who weren't, and I don't know if this is just a trend in general, um, but really, I don't know if, if separate inkers are kind of not in vogue right now. Like It's just, it's trendy for, pen for the artists to do the pencils and the inks themselves. But a lot of the guys that are drawn right now at least on the X books, are inking themselves. And so, um, like I said during the nominations, don't really have uh, an award for Best Inker this year. Uh, we do have an award for Best Wolverine Colorist. Um, the nominations were uh, Marte Gracia on Ten of Swords, Matthew Wilson on Wolverine, and Frank White on Wolverine. Uh, Gracia and Frank White have both won the award before, so definitely lovely, lovely colorist. I was trying to remember, you know, I need to make a spreadsheet. I need to go back and listen to, or look at old notes and, like, have, like, a side-by-side -side comparison. Because I can't remember. I know I've nominated and talked about Matthew Wilson before. I don't think he's won one. But you know what? He's going to win it this year. Um, I think he has really 
done some cool atmospheric moody stuff on the Wolverine book with uh, Bogdanovich really making his art especially on those solemn issues um, just really kind of set the tone right if the pencils did a certain thing the, the colors brought it to life uh, as often we see um, so the so Matthew Wilson uh, will be the uh, will be award winner for 2020 all right, so next up is going to be Best Cover. Uh, the 2020 Wolverine Award for Best Wolverine Cover. So the nominations were uh, the Wolverine number one, RB Silva variant, which is just a striking, simple, but classic pose. Uh, Wolverine number five by Adam Kubert, which is the one of him in the red background falling out of like the body of bats, or just this huge cloud of of bats and Wolverine kind of falling out is really great. Uh, Wolverine Black, White, and Blood, number one by Adam Kubert, which is visceral and and stark in its simplicity. And then X-Force, number 14 by Dustin Weaver, um, which is Wolverine holding the mirror of blade and the X-Men reflected, and then a close-up on his face. Another great cover. And then I also had an extra nomination. Um, Uncanny Z or at Larkin Z on Twitter uh, replied to my notes on the nominations and wanted to point out the uh, Gabriel de Otto variant for Wolverine number one, which is a really cool one. It's kind of reminiscent of the old die cut cover from Wolverine 50, but it was the yellow cover with the Dawn of X logo in black and then three slash marks through it. Um, I don't have it. The digital version just has solid black. The picture he posted looks like it's actually a die cut as well. Um, because it looks like the, the title page is underneath the claw marks, which is pretty rad. Um, a very good extra nomination. Uh, you know, I think I used that in one of the episode images before. Um, maybe for when we did Wolverine number one, possibly. I can't, I can't remember. But um, yeah, it's a great cover. So thank you, Uncanny Z, for, uh, for bringing that to my attention. It's definitely a lovely, lovely color. And I really think it's going to come down, as much as I love all of these, the two variants from Wolverine number one. Um, the one that Uncanny Z mentioned, kind of the yellow cut through the logo, and then the uh, RV Silva variant, Man, I don't know. I don't know which one. Uh, it's tough. They're both really, really great. I wouldn't... You know, I think... I think I'm going to go with the RB Silva, but with the honorable mention uh, to the uh, the logo one. Um, I don't know. There's something about the Silva one. It's so clean and so just... Mm, delicious. I don't know. I wish I had a physical copy of it. Uh, and may at some point. I was trying to look and see what they were going for. And I don't know. I may pony up and grab one. They're not like super expensive, but they're not. They're not cheap either. <laughs> well, I I say that. I haven't looked in a couple of weeks, so I don't know. Anyway, no one really cares about that. But yeah, I think I'm going to give the uh, Wolfie Award uh, for the 2020 Best Wolverine cover to the RB Silva variant of Wolverine number one. Uh, he's been an artist I've just enjoyed seeing grow up from when he first did uh, Superboy in the New 52. He was one of my favorite artists of the New 52. Uh, his style has changed a lot since then. You know, back then it was very kind of heavy, thick lines around characters, almost... Um, I don't know what the style for that is, but I always think of like uh, 
like stickers, right? Like putting stickers on the page of the characters and stuff like that. And I, I think that can be done really well, and he did it really well. Uh, and, you know, he's moved into more classic kind of style, um, and it looks really cool. So, yeah, uh, congrats, R.B. Silva, on a well-deserved movie award. All right, so that only leaves Best Snicked and Best Snacked. So, for Best Snicked, uh, we have the main one, Double Snicked from uh, Wolverine Number 1 by Benjamin Percy, Adam Hubert, and Frank White. Uh, we have the Snow Double Snicked, also from Wolverine Number 1 by the same people. Uh, the Think I'm Set uh, Snicked, also from Wolverine Number 1. Uh, that was the Victor Bogdanovich chapter, so by Percy Bogdanovich and Wilson. And then got that from Wolverine Number 3. Uh, which was Percy and Kubert and White. And then Six Reasons Snicked uh, from Avengers 37 by Jason Aaron and Javier Garone. And I don't know why I didn't write the colors down on that. That is a miss on my part. Shoot. Um, I'm just going to kind of scroll through these again. Give one last look at the visual. Um, and there's some pretty great stuff there. Indeed. Some pretty great stuff. Um, you know, the double snick, the I'm set, I really like. Um, I think they got one, or I'm sorry, they got that one. I like a lot because the snick, like the letters are between the claws. It's a really cool feel. Um, it looks really, really great. As you know, when he, he takes Magneto's helmet, he tells him, blah, like, you didn't see nothing. Got that, Snick? Like, you better not mess, right? Um, a perfect use of a Snick to kind of uh, intimidate a little bit. Um, yeah, man, that's this is a tough one. I really like all these a lot. I think... Oh, man, I don't know what to do. Um... I think just the bravado. See, I'm torn, right? I think my favorite double snick is actually the Avengers one. Because there's no way that his claws really matter against the Phoenix. But Wolverine's like, well, I got six reasons right here why we're going to win. <laughs> and it's just just the Wolverine-ness of believing that and, and the gumption of that. I really, really love and the art is good, but it's probably not quite as cool as like the Adam Kubert or Victor Bogdanovich ones. Um, I think the Kubert one, especially in the snow, um, with the pale girl, uh, is particularly awesome. And that one's really about the colors. Like that one just sings because of the colors. Um, and then the think I'm all set because Wolverine's turning down some guns for his claws. And that that's amazing. Oh, man, I should have. I should have pulled the trigger on this before I started recording. Um, you know, well, actually, I did. I actually settled on the Avengers one, but now I'm having doubt. Um, you know what? I think I'm going to go... Um, I mean, we've had the I'm All Set one kind of before, or different variations of that. You know what? I think I'm going to go just for the personality of, of the one from Avengers. I'm going to go Avengers 37. The, the Got six of them right here. Double Snicked by Jason Aaron and Javier Garone. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that story here in just a minute. Um, 
But yeah, I think I think that's what I'm what I'm going to go with. So that leaves us with the snacked. Uh, we have the interrogations over from Wolverine number one by Benjamin Percy, Adam Kubert. Uh, the sirens coming by Percy and Vic- Victor Bogdanovich, also from Wolverine number one. Uh, we have the hand-to-hand snacked by Chris Claremont and Salvador Larocca, and Wolverine Black, White, and Blood number two. And the family triple snacked by Benjamin Percy and Adam Kubert and Wolverine number eight. And I think the weak sister of these is probably the Sirens one. Uh, the interrogation over is cool, but it's kind of small. Um, the hand-to-hand one is really nice because the guy's like, well, you can't do anything without your claws. He's like, want to bet? <laughs> and we get a nice snack there. But I think I think just because it involves Gabby and Dawkins, uh, the, the triple snack from Wolverine number eight is going to be the winner for me. So that's our Wolverine Award for Best Snacked. And all of that stuff was awesome, right? I mean, there's no losers here. Everything was great that we talked about. But, you know, just just want to have some fun and give some awards. Some some mostly meaningless awards. <laughs> I have no pretense that anyone really gives too much concern over what I say here. But, um, you know, it's fun. It's fun for me. Hopefully it's fun for you. Um so, anyway, that's our 2020 Wolverine Award show for Best Stuff in Wolverine Comics for the past year. So, we are going to take a quick minute and do some quick hits on a few comics while we're here. Um, just because, you know, why not? So, um, we have a couple issues of X-Force. We have an Avengers, and then we have a Kingdom Black catch-up. So, first is going to be X-Force number 15. This is Rock the Boat or Trench Warfare. All these Dawn of X double titles, man. Um, written by Benjamin Percy, art by Joshua Casera. So, congratulations. Recent Wolfie Award winners for both of them. Uh, colors by Guru Effects. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Production by VCs Corey Pettit. Woohoo! That's in, kind of a new one for him. Um, and then designed by Tom Mueller. And then, you know, Dustin Weaver has been doing all these covers. But I'm actually pretty happy to see uh, Joshua Kassara and Dean White doing the cover here. And we have Omega Red uh, wrapped up in some Krakoan vines. And then very gleefully interrogating him are Wolverine, Beast, and Jean Grey. Um that's kind of what this issue is about, right? Um, first, they're, we open up and they're interrogating Colossus. Uh, Wolverine's not happy about it, but Beast stands his ground. So Jean Grey is reading his mind about what he's been doing recently. Um, and Wolverine, you know, asks a good question because Hank's kind of being a dick. And he's like, well, who's going to hold you accountable? You know, you're saying we're going to hold everyone else accountable. Um, and yeah. So, um, Gene comes out and says he's clean. Um, and Gene says a really cool line here, or Percy has, has her say a cool line. Says, he's not going to ask you for an apology, Beast, but I'm going to demand you give him one. Which is, it, it's weird, right? It's this weird kind of line of culpability, right? Where Wolverine disagrees with what's going on, but he doesn't actively do anything? I mean, you could argue well, what's he going to do? Stab Beast? Well, maybe not that extreme, but he could probably definitely knock Beast down a peg or two physically if he wanted to, right? To prevent them from interrogating Colossus. 
And Jane could have just refused. Now, maybe, right, there's the idea, well, if I don't do it, one of the other telepaths is going to do it, and that's going to be, you know, worse for, for Colossus. So maybe it's a, it's going to get done, so I'll do it as easy as I can. Um, wouldn't have minded that being stated explicitly or even implicitly, if that was the case. But, um, yeah, Colossus goes back, uh, you know, kind of takes a walk. He rescues a kid. We get, like, this... Um, black thing that comes out of the ground like a spore and launches into the ocean uh, which is really kind of freaky and then everyone's kind of okay like it was kind of the scary moment but no one really pays too much attention to it and we move on to Omega Red uh, not near as many qualms about interrogating Omega Red <laughs> as we you know saw in the last issue of Wolverine right uh, no no love lost still even though you know he's here um and so, um, you know, Wolverine's like, he's a bad guy. Um, you know, he's a bad guy. But Beast is like, no, 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 here's what we're going to do. We're going to replace the carbonadium synthesizer that the vampires gave him to help him, you know, control his powers so he would work for them. We're going to replace it so he still helped, but we're going to put like a, basically like a spy device in it, like a homing beacon. It may even be some like audio-visual capabilities for them to like, you know, record stuff. Um, you know, the vampires gave him a detonator. They're going to turn it into a spy machine. And, you know, they're going to erase Omega Red so that he doesn't remember any of this. And so he'll be an unwilling sweeper agent for the vampires, right? The idea is that they'll use him as a spy, but he'll think he's still being a spy for them, for the vampires. Like, the vampires sent him to infiltrate Krakoa, and they're going to kind of turn the tables. Um, it's an interesting idea. A beast, you know, it's funny. Having, re reading the 70s stuff, right? where Beast first turns into, like, our blue, furry, gray, whatever Beast. And then, also, getting to the point in the 90s where he comes back to the X-Men and really loving him and remembering how much I love him, it makes me sad to see him be such kind of, like, an evil or, or morally ambiguous jerk. Um, kind of the mad scientist that... I'm trying to remember. I think that mostly started with Bendis, maybe a little bit with Reminder. Um, but it's been that way for a while, right? That's kind of been his status quo for, gosh, over a decade now. Um, and I haven't really loved that. I think it's been some interesting stories from time to time, but I just, I miss the beast that I love. Um, and I haven't particularly, I don't know, a slight change and maybe a little bit in either how I'm reading what Percy's doing in the book or maybe he's uh, tweaked the writing a little bit but I still kind of hate this beast but I kind of hate him in a good way right like oh I can't believe he's doing that but it's it's kind of compelling uh, to read about you know maybe I wish it was someone else or maybe I wish Beast was a better guy but I don't know it's like it's like Instead of just being kind of like uh, over it, I'm kind of loving to hate him right now. Uh, so credit to the, the team on this book for making that happen. Because uh, I don't know if I've been there entirely uh, on this volume so far, but that's kind of where I am in this issue and in the next one as well. Um, 
But yeah, and then we see underwater the spore has some tentacles that captures a whale. And then we see uh, conveniently that Forge is working on a Krakoan like deep dive suit. Uh, basically, Krakoan vegetation is having you know enriching his blood with oxygen. You know the worst part is throwing it up. He says, and he does. <laughs> Kasarin does not shy away from drawing gross stuff. And yeah, so Beast comes to see him and says, hey, can you help me with this thing for Omega Red? And he's like, all right. So they kill Omega Red so they can resurrect him with fresh memories. Um, I've really come to enjoy, we get a lot more detail and clear color on Kassara's Beast, which makes me like it a lot more too. You know, for whatever reason, and I, know, I feel like it's been Guru effects most of the time, but there's just been some subtle changes and the color work that has made this book look a lot better um, and a lot cleaner. Like, it's a lot easier to tell what's going on. Um, anyway, the Krakoan whale plant, like, captures the ship and pulls it underwater. Uh, then we go back to the Savage Land. Uh, Beast comes back to Wolverine. I'm sorry, to Colossus. And in an effective an apology, brings him some fresh paints. His girlfriend doesn't like it. She can control water and starts pulling water out of his body, but Colossus stops her. Um, and says, okay, I'll, I'll use the paints. Um, Beast is like, wait, wait, wait. But we don't see what, he says there's one more thing, we don't see what it is. Because we go back to Krakoa on the beach, Domino's playing Frisbee with a dog. Not the dog from her solo series, so that's kind of disappointing. I think it's the dog from that guy from the Wolverine book. Um, you know, they mentioned that the guy that he interrogated mentioned that the Krakoans had his dog. I think it's that dog. But he goes into the water after Frisbee doesn't come back. But all these bodies from that ship, these sailors start washing up and they're all zombified and have like Krakoan zombie stuff that comes out of them. And then it comes up through the sand and starts grabbing Domino and Black Tom and a seagull out of the air. And uh, yeah, it's pretty nuts. So we're going to go ahead and move into 16. Because I'm going to grade these kind of together. I don't normally do that on present day. I do do that sometimes on the flashback stuff. Flashback! But I'm going to do it today. So 16 is what lies beneath or into the deep. Um, same credits, except for no uh, production credit for Corey Pettit on this one. Um, the cover is really cool. Um, it's like a dark blue greenish background and a giant purple gross octopus ten tentacle coming up and it's got Quentin Quire wrapped in the end Wolverine cutting at it Ford shooting fire at it and they're all in their, their new dive suits it looks great um, you know the, the dive suits kind of remind me like you know G.I. Joe action figures like oh here's here's underwater Wolverine <laughs> you know <laughs> or like all the Cable and Batman figures that came out in the 90's uh, Grant from the Cable Guide was, was talking about when we did Extinction Agenda um, that stuff and so um, that's pretty cool um, so in this one um Cecilia Reyes and Beast are doing an autopsy, but they remember the Russian doll thing. On so they have this dead sailor like in inside one of Cecilia Reyes's force field bubbles, and then back on the beach, uh, they're burning the the vines and the tentacles. Uh, Domino and Black Tom are helping out, and then um, 
Cecilia tells Beast, you can study this, we don't go mad scientists, but of course he does, and it tries to get him, but she's able to, to squash it like a bug. Then, um, we, so we find out that basically what happened is that big black ball we saw that got lost into the ocean is basically, they don't call it this, they say some other words, but, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's like a Krakoan tumor, and Krakoa, like, rejected it, right? Uh, spit it out of himself into the ocean, and Cecilia's like, we gotta figure out how to get rid of this. Beast is like, oh, maybe we can use this for something, because when the tumor went into the ocean and was separated from Krakoa, it kind of took on a life of its own, and is kind of still malignant. Um, so maybe we can use this. And they argue about that a little bit and the ethics of that. But we, we get a team uh, from the cover. Quentin, Choir, Forge, and Wolverine are going to go down into the deep to try to find the actual original spore and destroy it um, so they can't continue to spread. So Phoebe comes to tell Quentin, Choir, bye-bye. You know, he's been dating the... Uh, him and Cable have been dating the uh, uh, the Cuckoo Girls. Um, she comes, gives him a kiss. The Forge and Wolverine give him a hard time, and they go underwater. And the art underwater is awesome. It looks so good. Um, the colors really between the the dark and the light really do stuff. We see all kinds of gruesome underwater creatures. Um, you know, they're swimming around. Wolverine looks rad. Uh, they find the edge of this trench where the spore probably went and Wolverine sees like an eye he's like huh and then one of those zombies sailors tries to get him he throws it over the edge it gets wrapped up in tentacles and he sees this full page spread of an awesome page that looks like something out of like I don't know like just a really cool like dark sci-fi comic and it's this giant like underwater creature eyeball staring at him we see Wolverine from the back in front of this thing it looks so rad guys like it's, a, it's an amazing page it's such a good page anyway um he goes back and everyone's like uh what's wrong with Wolverine he's like I saw a god <laughs> then this like killer mutated hammerhead shark comes up choirs uh shoots him with a telekinetic harpoon uh, they blow it up. They see lots of underwater sea creatures, but they try to burn them. They start to get out. We get a really nice snick, an early nomination, maybe, for Snick of the Year. Uh, giant Crab comes up, which reminds me, of course, of Giant Size X in number one. Um, and Wolverine, with a nice big snick, says, Nice claws, mine are better, and stabs it with a skilch. Um, and they look like they're getting overrun by these sea creatures till they're all zapped by lightning. And it's Namor. And he says, you know what? I don't like Krakoa. You guys have, are trying to take over the surface world through politics and economics or whatever. Uh, keep your shit up there. I don't want it underwater. And I'm going to take care of this thing for you because uh, it impacts me. But you guys, for real, like, you guys start trying to do stuff underwater, you will have a war with me. And you don't want that. And so then he does. He tells them to go home. He looks like he takes care of the spore, blows it up, and that's that. All right, guys, these are, these are my two favorite issues of X-Force so far. <laughs> I like them a lot. I really like the idea of Krakoa getting rid of it, of it kind of weaponizing the, the ethical argument over that, our team going to get it, and just a visual of that. Like, I really like these issues a lot. I'm going to give both these issues, 15 and 16, uh, five out of six claws. I'm really, 
if this book is going to have this feel to it going forward, it's not that the plot's all that different. I don't really know exactly what changed. The colors are better. I'm in maybe looking at it through a different lens with the art. Um, and the story just feels... It's not that it's all that different of a plot. Like, sea monsters are not that different from veggie monsters. It just... I don't know. It's just working for me better. I don't know why. But, yeah. Loved both of these issues quite a bit. Um, so, five out of six claws there. So, uh, we're going to take a break. And uh, we'll come back and talk about uh, Enter the Phoenix and King in Black. And we're back. All right, just have a couple of books to talk about, and then we'll get you guys out of here. Um, next up is going to be Avengers 41, Enter the Phoenix Part 2. This, is, of course, is uh, written by Jason Aaron, with art by Javier Garon, colors by David Curiel, letters by VCs Corey Pettit, Woo-hoo! and the cover is by Lionel Francis Yu and Sonny Go. And it's a pretty cool cover. It's a Black Panther... In his Phoenix version, um, I like his little kind of golden metal, flamey headband. And then a pretty nice rendition of the Phoenix behind him, almost wrapping him up. Like just fire kind of coming out from behind his legs and over his shoulder in the form of the Phoenix bird. So it's, it's a pretty cool cover. Um, Alright, so up, up to this point, remember the Phoenix has come back to Earth after the Age of Conchu story. And has kidnapped some heroes. Uh, and Logan points out in this issue that it's kind of like the White Room. What is he actually says here? Um, they, they talk about they're inside the Phoenix. And yeah, Logan, Logan informs everyone it's called the White Hot Room. And, you know, then accuses Namor. Because Cap's like, well, none of us want this. Uh, but Wolverine's like, well, he did. Um, and Namor, you know, kind of struts this stuff through, like, who's gonna take it from me, blah, 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 I'm gonna get this, um, yep, um, so Wolverine, you know, talks about how originally the White Hot Room was only where people who wielded the Phoenix would go, and now there's all these kind of contenders and pretenders, and, um, <laughs> it's funny, he says, any of you thinking about joining them, we might as well skip to the part where I stab you and stab you a bunch, so that's pretty fun, um, yeah, basically the rest of it is just a bunch of fighting. Uh, we have Black Panther versus Man-Thing. Um, Black Panther wins. Um, then uh, we have Luke Cage versus American Eagle. Uh, don't actually know. They don't actually show who wins any of these. It's just like page fights. Because uh, we have Shannon the She-Devil versus Devil Dinosaur. And then we have... Uh, Valkyrie versus Eye, the Eye, the Orb. Then we have uh, Hyperion uh, versus Shang-Chi. Then we have, I think I thought last time this was uh, Peggy Carter, her her new reddish character in Captain America, but it's the Red Widow. And we have Red Widow versus Howard the Duck. Uh, We do see who wins that one. She's pretty brutally murders Howard the Duck. Um, and then the Phoenix Force, personified by the prehistoric host of the Phoenix, argues with Black Panther. Black Panther's pretty kind of confident slash arrogant about it. Um, and, you know, says, you know, we'll take care of you no matter what. And so he goes out to fight again. He gets sent out um, and fights Nighthawk. Uh, but, you know, he kind of takes care of business. 
And then Echo is going to fight Namor. Namor finally gets a chance to, to try to grab the Phoenix, and that's it. Um, uh, art on this is pretty great. I don't really care about the story. Um, I think I mentioned last time, after Ten of Swords, this wasn't really what I was looking for. Another kind of tournament. Plus, I, I don't know. I, I, mean, I guess it could make sense with the Phoenix. that Instead of randomly choosing the host she loves... She just kind of lets people fight for it, and the most worthy get it, but I, I don't know. Um, so anyway, I'm not really digging it, um, but the art's pretty great. So I let that all average out to kind of three out of six claws just for the art. And just because Wolverine threatens to stab like a whole bunch of heroes, that's always fun. So anyway, that's Avengers 41. Uh, next up, we have King in Black number three. Uh, this is by written by Donnie Cates, penciled by Ryan Stegman. Inks by J.P. Meyer, colors by Frank Martin, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, and the cover is by Stegman, Meyer, and Martin. And on the cover we have Thor fighting Null. And it's fine. I like Stegman usually quite a bit. This cover's fine. Um, the one for next issue I will like a lot better. <laughs> uh, anyways, this is Chapter 3, Thunder. Uh, we basically have a narrator who talks about dark and light as they're approaching the planet they've been summoned. Um, and I, I kind of right away, not to brag, <laughs> humble brag, kind of knew who it was pretty quickly. And like, you know, by the end of the first page, I had an idea. And then as it went, I was like, yeah, okay. And then of course at the end, we'll find out and I'll say who, who it is there. But um, anyway, Eddie, uh, Dylan is mourning his father. Uh, our heroes outside are not doing well. Blade has recruited vampires, but it's not really working. Um, you know, Reed is looking at who all is out there. Uh, even though there was kind of a, a testy conversation between Xavier and Magneto, of course, they're, they're a little more cooperative in this issue. Um, then so Spider-Man and Wolverine are going to escort Dylan out to try to confront Noel directly, and that's going to be their mission. And so they do, and then we got get a pretty great page of them kind of running out, art-wise. Uh, I always like Stegman's Wolverine, and his Spider-Man, of course, is nothing short of amazing. So they go out, they fight uh, Venomized Captain America. Dylan catches the shield, and then uses his power to, like, basically tear the symbiote off of Captain America, and that actually hurts Noel, but it also lets Noel realize that D Dylan's out in the open, which, so he kind of makes his move to try to get him, but then, if, you know, fire and sonics and everything hurt the symbiotes, well, a great person to come along is Thor, and originally they kind of mentioned that he wasn't around, I think alluding to his solo book, but for whatever reason, whatever, wherever that falls chronologically, he is here for this. So he shows up, and he starts electrocuting some, some symbiotes, and is looking pretty good. And then he confronts Noel himself, and, you know, says, you know, you're the god, but I'm god. And they argue about who's a better god. And then I kind of don't like that Noel kind of gets the upper hand. I know it's the story that he's supposed to be the big badass villain. I'm just not sure if I really believe that he can take Thor. But, you know, maybe, whatever. Um... But he, he kind of does. Kind of puts Thor in his place. I mean, it's a good fight. It's a big battle. Uh, Thor punches his jaw off. Um, but at the end, he pulls out this big, like, Noel symbiote sword and stabs Thor 
through the chest, and that's when we realize we're probably going to lose. But Iron Man has uh, this venom dragon right the symbiote dragon he's he's got an extremist on it and Noel wakes up the celestials but iron man flies his dragon bonds with one of the celestials and fights the other celestial so that's looking actually pretty good and then at the end we find out our our narrator who's been narrating about light and darkness is of course silver surfer black and he has come to the planet to try to help save us so um art's pretty good I would say that was probably, I don't know, I mean, a lot of fighting fight was fine. Not as much emotional stuff, which is what I've been enjoying about this series. It's not so much the plot, but kind of the emotional and character beats behind it. And this didn't have as much of that. Um, it was really kind of just fight, fight, fight. Um, it was fine, but it was probably my least favorite chapter so far. Um... So I'm going to give it a uh, 3 out of 6 claws for number 3. Uh, a little bonus content, uh, free, with uh, the purchase of the podcast. <laughs> um, Wolverine's not in it, and I don't think any of the X-Men are even in it. Maybe, maybe they might be in the background a little bit, but not Wolverine. Um, but Black Cat, which rebooted or started over for King and Black, um, but with mostly the same creative team, uh, at least the same writer. I don't know if CF Villa was how much of the pencils they did. There are a lot of different pencilers, I think, on the first or the previous volume. But um, anyway, continues to be a really fun book. Uh, issue one was really good. Issue two is pretty good. Um, it's just a lot of fun. She basically goes to steal. Well, she gets Bats, the hound dog, the ghost dog, and um, then an anti-venom suit and goes and steals Doctor Strange back from Nolan. She uses the spider buggy to do part of it. It's just it's a really fun issue. And at the end, she gets an Asgardian staff. So that should be fun. It's, it's been nice to follow along. Not really germane to the podcast, but it is King of Black, and this is the other chapter of King of Black I actually read this time around, so wanted to just mention it for a second. And our last book, uh, another bonus one, I don't think I mentioned it earlier, because this is pretty much just for Grant, so Grant, I hope you're listening. Um, it's going to be Excalibur 16, I'm going to talk about it, not because Wolverine's in it, and not as part of our regular Dawn of X coverage with the Excalibros, because I think they're over it. <laughs> yeah, but, um, and it does have Gambit, which I had mentioned, you know, if I had time, I would do a Gambit podcast. Of course, I don't. But Grant's like, well, just do cover him, you know, at the end of episode. So, I might. And also Jubilee, who is a very, at least, at least for part of the time, current to the flashback stuff we're doing right now, flashback is a Wolverine family character, so it may, I, I can I can warp this into being having a reason to cover this. I don't know how often I'll do this, and I'll keep doing it. Maybe you guys let me know what you think, if you enjoyed it or not. But um, anyway, Excalibur 16. The post Ten of Swords issue, Absence Makes the Heart, or They Keep Killing Braddocks, written by Teeny Howard, art by Marcus Toe, colors by Eric Arseniega, Letters by VCs Artana Mayer and designed by Tom Mueller and the cover is by Mahmoud Azrar and Matthew Wilson. And the cover is kind of cool. Um, it's kind of Excalibur marching through a magic forest, rogue in front. Megan or Gloriana, looking like she's going by now, is behind her. Richter then 
And then behind Richter is Jubilee kind of looking off to the side. And then way back in the back, almost in shadow, is Gambit. Um, actually, Jubilee and Gambit are probably my favorite part of the cover. Um, so anyway, we start off with a sweet little scene um, in Krakoa. Gambit is making Rogue breakfast. And there's a funny line where he talks about uh, how he had the, the Marauders smuggling eggs like real eggs, because I guess Krakoa was growing like plant eggs, not eggplant, but like eggs made out of plant. And Game was like, I wanted the real thing for us, you know, coming back from the whole Ten of Swords thing. And so he had some eggs smuggled in. And he's, it's funny, he's wearing an apron with no shirt on, on underneath and kind of a, you know, a sexy breakfast. <laughs> so him and Rogue, you know, they're having a sweet breakfast, but Rogue's like, I, I, I really miss Betsy. I don't feel right about what's going on. And then Richter is really missing Apocalypse. They formed a pretty deep bond in this volume so far, and he has Apocalypse's magic book. And he's trying to find a way not to bring him back, but just to talk to him through the ground. And then um, Jubilee has Shogo, and she's giving him smooches and snuggles and says, I know you must be in a dragon, but I couldn't do this when you were a dragon. But she finds Richter and kind of tries to console him, like I understand you know, how you miss him. And then, so at the Green Lagoon, Gambit and Rogue pull up to the bar. Um, you know, it's interesting because from Age of X-Men, we had that the relationship with Blob and Betsy. And so I guess Blob overhears Gambit and Rogue talking. He's like, oh, well, thanks for filling me in. You know, no one told me that she died or disappeared. And so they're trying to figure out, well, is she really dead? Um, and can they resurrect her? And so that's kind of what Rogue and Gambit are talking about. And then Jubilee and Richter show up to get some drinks, uh, day drinking. Um, Jubilee found a sitter for Shogo. Uh, Richter's like, I can't drink, I'm too mad to drink. You guys, how can you all drink? A bunch of alkies. And <laughs> kind, of, kind of chastises them, but Gambit tries to uh, calm him down a little bit. Um, and they had gotten to X-Factor, Rogue had. Uh, to inquire about what to do about Betsy, and they have Rachel reaches out telepathically um, and tells them to come, you know, get the report. And basically, the report is they they talk to all the witnesses. Uh, the sword shattered, she shattered. Saturnine gathered the pieces, um, and so because she died in Otherworld, and that messes up the resurrection stuff. Uh, see Rockslide. And because they don't know what Saturnine did with the pieces, or if she's even really dead, uh, the report is inconclusive, but they cannot recommend resurrection. So this pisses Rogue right off, and she gets pretty mad, pretty upset, and storms off, talks about how, you know, back when we were X-Men, this, this wouldn't have flown. And then Rachel, you know, goes after her, stops her, and says, hey, that's my official report as X-Factor, but... I think y'all should still try to go figure out what happened as Excalibur. And so they do. Uh, they go back to um, uh, Avalon, where they meet uh, Jamie and Brian and Megan and their daughter... Where is it? What's her name? What's her name? I'm trying to find... I lost it. I lost it. Um, anyway, the daughter, the daughter who, of course, has, like, the brain of an adult and the vocabulary and talking of an adult. Um, so, anyway, they decide they're going to go check out the scene of the crime. 
Um, and they want Megan to help because she is bonded with the land because she's like part fairy. So she has a mutant power and also her fairy power. And they're going to go try to figure out exactly what happened. Um, so they do. And then Jamie has a, uh, a plan of his own. So he goes to see Sinister and gives him his cape back in exchange for he wants a clone of Betsy that he can maybe like alter a little bit, you know, with his reality altering powers, even though he's been strictly prohibited from just making a new Betsy, which, you know, Sinister's is like, well, I can, why don't you do that? He's like, I won't. You owe me a favor. I'm giving you your cape back. You're going to do me a favor, and we're, we're not going to explain ourselves to each other. He's like, fine. <laughs> so... They go back to the spot, which looks different than it did when that actually happened. Uh, that was like a sandy, like, arena. And this is like a big, green field. Um, but Megan can tell something's going on. So, like, Gloriana can tell something's going on. Uh, Richter brings out his magic book. And they're going to try a spell. And so... They try a spell, and they combine powers. Uh, Jubilee even makes a joke. But she pops her fireworks to attract fairies. Richard's going to talk to the Earth. Uh, Gloriana's going to be in the middle. Rogue's going to use her powers to kind of do something. And then Gambit uh, doesn't absorb kinetic energy. He does mutant energy. That's kind of weird. Um, but yeah, uh... They do, they do the spell, they talk to the fairies, they confirm that Betsy is not in Otherworld, but they do summon, kind of accidentally, the rest of the Captain Britain Corps, which are all based on multiple dimensional Betsy's. And so the Corps says, you know what, we, we were going to look for it, we just haven't had time to get together and do it yet, so now it's as good as time as any, let's do it. Well, that's kind of weird. Um... But yeah, they're gonna they're gonna figure it out. And then we see Betsy wakes up somewhere else, and she's with a virgin copy dream of Warren having breakfast in bed. And so that was kind of cool. Like a nice callback to that uh, relationship. Um, art is really good. I really like it quite a bit. And the story. Until the spell part, I actually really quite enjoyed. I enjoyed, you know, Rogue and Gambit's characterization, Jubilee, Richter, like all of them kind of dealing with the fallout from Ten of Swords felt really nice. Um, and also, the, the mission to find Betsy, one of my biggest complaints about Excalibur overall, this volume, has been as kind of all over the place lack of direction. And what is the book for, other than, you know, kind of half-heartedly setting up Ten of Swords, um, you know, which felt like there should be more to it than that, and giving Apocalypse magic. I mean, there's been little beats, but it's, it's felt like a book that didn't have a lot of purpose. And this issue, maybe for the first time, really feels like it gives purpose to the book. Like, they have a nice, solid mission to try to figure out what happened to Betsy, and, you know, bring her back, find her, or and or prove that she's dead and get her resurrected. So it's really nice, and makes a nice marriage with the art. It feels like a, very, a much more competent issue of Excalibur, and therefore made it a lot more fun for me. Um, I didn't quite understand the spell. I'm not going to say that's entirely the writer's fault. Maybe it's my fault for not really catching what they were trying to do or what was going on. But um, I was a little 
gray on how I know like the idea was our powers combined into one thing to do the spell but I'm not really sure they explained how like you know gamut's oh it's not kinetic energy it's mutant energy well that's fine but does that really make sense to work with this power set I don't know um so anyway that, that's gonna take a little bit away from the book for me but this was still I think now I've been up and down on this book right um from liking it to not liking it at all, but I haven't really loved it yet. This was probably, if not the best issue of the volume for me, maybe outside some of the Ten of Swords stuff, it was, it was up there, right? It's, it's definitely one of the best issues of the first 16 issues. So I'm going to give it four out of six claws. So don't tell Danny and George from Excalibur as I said that. No, they'll be upset. <laughs> Just kidding, they don't care. Um, but anyway, yeah, four out of six claws for Excalibur 16. So let me know um, if you want me to keep doing some kind of some uh, bonus Gambit's gumbo when it comes along, which would probably right now just mean tagging Excalibur on to my episodes when it comes out. And then maybe, you know, squeezing a few. You know, we're still a ways away in flashback episodes before we have any Gambit appearances that don't also have Wolverine in them. But um, there will be some. Uh, there's a Daredevil issue not too far away in 93. And then, of course, his solo series. Uh, his miniseries. But um, anyway, yeah. So I'll kind of let you guys help steer me in that direction. What, what you want me to do there. So anyway, uh, that's it. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hope you enjoyed uh, having fun with the awards. The Wolverine Awards. And if nothing else, uh, we yeah, yeah, had more books to talk about than I thought. So um. Next up should be, if all goes well, uh, recording at around the same time, uh, the next Dawn of X coverage, and then um, have some special guests, uh, Dylan and Regina from House of X, coming on to do some 90s X-Men, uh, tweeted, Dylan was so gracious to make a really great promo art piece for it, um, so I tweeted that out the other day, and we'll probably tweet it a couple more times in the next couple of weeks as we get ready to do that. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, of course, you know, they participated in Crossing Swords, um, you know, with us, as we did, you know, that organized by Homo Superior. They were one of the great podcasts that, that helped out with that. And very excited to have them on the show. So that is coming up right on the horizon. And then, of course, the Excalibros coming up next uh, with with a slew of Dawn of X books. Uh, between schedules and sick, which I probably still sound a little sick, so I apologize. But um, you know, we we've stockpiled a pretty good selection of issues, so we'll be hammering through that, and that'll be the next episode. But um, yeah, as always, um, for the podcast and ghost Nick, you can like the Facebook page, Twitter is that Snickcast, and um, please, 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 stay safe, stay well out there. Um. You know, I, we're starting to see more and more vaccines available, so hopefully, you know, if you're on the the list to get those initial waves for, you know, health reasons or age or whatever, I hope you're you're taking care of that, and then, you know, the rest of us, you know, will we'll patiently await our turn, um, but I hope everyone is doing all right. So, uh, yeah, that's it. So until next time, hugs and snicks, everyone. Bye-bye. And snacked. <laughs>